Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Nathaniel Swan with a message called God's Love. In Exodus uh, 34, and I've, I've read some of this before, and Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Um, Young's literal says, for God whose name is Zealous, is a zealous God. Um, you look up those meanings, it means passionate. God whose name is Passion is a very passionate God. He loves his creation. But he loves, he loves each of you. He, he loves you terribly. He loves you so terribly much. You, uh, you, you'll never comprehend naturally how God loves you except by the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul, when he was praying in Ephesians, uh, he prayed just that. You'll turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is Paul speaking. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Passeth. It's above, it's above knowing. But you have an anointing that can make it experientially real to you in your life. It goes beyond knowledge. It'll occupy your heart and the same passion that God has for his creation and especially for you will be your experience too as you yield to it and as you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your inner man and to strengthen you. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may able, be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which patheth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the purpose of it. Now unto him, 
that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. I just like to to look at um, quickly at at some of these things in uh, in the scriptures. It says it talks about the fact that uh, the heavens and earth were were uh, in Hebrews. It says by whom and for whom all things were created. Um, John talks about all things being made by him. And uh, Hebrews talks about all up that all things are upheld by the word of his power. And uh, here it says that the whole family in heaven and earth is named, belongs to God, has the name of Jesus Christ upon it. Somehow, well, let's just pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we know that we can't understand uh, these things by words. And Father, we, our minds are, are taken up uh, by so many things around us, Lord. But somehow may your spirit uh, speak to each heart and life. Those that, that uh, Lord, are enjoying life and, and have an abundance, uh, may your Holy Spirit break through to them. Those that are struggling and suffering uh, because of things that have happened to them or a struggle that's in, that they're in now, may somehow your Holy Spirit break through to them that they might understand, Lord, how precious they are to you. As has been said to us already, the great investment that you've made in each one, that the propitiation was not just for us, but for the whole world. And there's a God that loves his whole world that loves his creation, that gave himself for his creation, that stands with his hands outstretched to his creation, and is raising up sons and daughters to be workers together and somehow participate in this great liberation, this manifestation of the sons of God, this reconciliation and restoration that's beyond our understanding, and that somehow, all, oh, oh Lord, the petty things that occupy our hearts and minds and uh, that we meditate on will be replaced uh, by the meditations upon your kingdom, upon your sacrifice, upon your upholding power that reaches out to us even at this moment, uh, to shelter us, to care for us, to cause us to grow 
into the fullness, uh, into unity with you as our Heavenly Father. Move by your Spirit upon our lives. Lord, cause us to increase day by day and hour by hour. Uh, Lord, in <coughs> the appreciation and the understanding, uh, Lord, of what you're doing in each of our lives and in all of this creation. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, God created man, we've, we've heard this, and placed him in the garden. He gave him a stewardship. And uh, a usurper came and took that, took uh, the attention of that stewards, the stewards that God had placed over his garden, over his creation, over all of his creation. And uh, he was also a steward. And it says, uh, there's a couple places where it, it talks about Lucifer, talks about his beauty in Ezekiel, his glory, that uh, he was so beautiful, the creation of his tabrets and pipes speaks of his voice was like music. It's no wonder that it says in the Bible he can appear like an angel of light. He had a tremendous place as a cherub that covers, and yet uh, he wanted he wanted more. Rather than serve, he wanted to rule. And uh, <clears throat> and so he was cast down. I don't feel at this time I have time to read all the scriptures, but it talks about the fact that God Himself, when He cast him down. Uh, brought darkness over the land, it was a grief to him. It was a grief. I don't I hope we ever never think that all that God does it that it was just well he just did it and it and it was of very little consequence to him. This is a God, as we've read, that is passionate, far beyond our understanding. Far more passion is in him than, than we could even understand, that we, than we experience, and some of us can be pretty passionate. But this is a God that is so passionate. Uh, he mourned his son. He brought darkness upon the earth and rent the earth and split the veil in two. It was necessary, but don't think it didn't cost the Father. Somehow he wasn't hurt or didn't have grief. But it was necessary because of the passion that he had for his creation for him to come down in the, and be in, the, in, the, in Christ 
You know, Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It wasn't just that he wasn't speaking his own words or doing his own works. He was invisible. He was so completely yielded to God that God came down and spoke. God came down and touched the mind. God came down and touched the lame. God was there because of the love that he had for his creation. God is here because that same anointing, which is God, is abiding in you, wanting to flow through you. <clears throat> you know, we've talked about what grace is. Um, that, you know, grace in, in the, in the uh, theological sense is the mercy of God, but it's much more if you look at... Uh, <clears throat> At the definition of grace, it's it's uh, um, that which produces beauty and love, and it's uh, as our brother said this morning. God doesn't give us things; God gives us Himself. God's grace is Himself, and as it says in Isaiah. Uh, his word doesn't return to him void, but it, it goes forth to accomplish his will. And grace is not some kind of limbo where you kind of fall into grace and you sit there. Grace is a, an action word, a powerful word. It's God's pre transforming presence. To, to counter the nature of the curse. We have that nature of the fallen one because he's the ruler of this world. And we're born into this world. We're, I don't want to be negative, we're born as children of darkness. We're born with a personality that, that uh, is not satisfied and that wants to preeminence. Is not satisfied with stewardship. It's not satisfied no matter what it has, but wants more and is constantly striving and constantly uh, focused on self. And against that nature, God Almighty has extended his very presence that produces meekness and peace and sweetness and beauty. That if we're willing, he'll take all the other away from us. And we can be sons of God. And it's, it's a simple thing. It's not easy. 
But God, because He, the most important thing, you know the most important thing is to have the right spirit. That's a starting point. I'll say something real quick. When the disciples were, were with Jesus, you know, I just hate it when I don't read Scripture. <laughs> I like to read the Scripture that I'm talking about, but there's no time to read all those Scriptures. You'd be here all night, but anyway. <laughs> um, the disciples were arguing who should be the greatest in heaven. And uh, John's mother and had asked that her two sons could sit in his, on the right hand of Jesus. Right hand was the preeminent place to be. That's where the saying comes, the right hand man. I mean, that's, that's the best place to be. And then Jesus talked to them and, uh, and he said, and he contrasted, and what he was contrasting was the, the spirit that they had been born with, with the spirit of the new man that he was going to give them. The spirit of the old uh, was focused on preeminence and, and uh, pomp and ceremony. And he said, but whoever will be greatest among you will be servant of all, even as I came. Not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give my life. And if you're going, we've, they've talked, we've talked here about abiding this weekend, or this week so far. John says, this one I can read. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. If you want to see it, it's pretty clear in the Bible that God's expectation is that we'll take the Spirit of Christ upon us and become submissive to it. And the most important thing is unity. And Jesus Christ, God, uh, did did a, a, a terrible thing, in a sense, uh, if you understand it, to those disciples. Here's these guys that are arguing he should be the greatest, and in a few days, because of, of the way things were set up to happen, they had the feet knocked right out from under them. And they all ran away. And they knew that they had deserted their Lord in his time of need. And they watched him crucified. And, and they were too scared to do anything about it. And I, assume, I, I know that they felt to be the wormiest, slimiest things on the earth for what they had done to their Lord. 
That was absolutely necessary to be done. To bring them to a place of unity. So that they could be of one accord in one place, crying out for this promise of endowment from on high, because they knew what they were. It had been shown to them pretty directly what they really were for all of their striving. And because they were broken so completely, the anointing was able to occupy them completely. And that's why the power of God was able to move in the New Testament church the way it did. And God is wanting to move in his church that same way. And the most important thing is not that the Holy Spirit moves. The most important thing is that there is to be unity so that the Holy Spirit can move without obstacle. And that's why it was necessary for God to take that step uh, to completely demolish the human personalities of the men that were to form the church of God. Because there must be unity. Our brother said at, at feast that it was necessary. God knew what he was going to do with Israel. That he was going to bring them out of Egypt. But it was necessary for them to cry out to him. It was necessary for Pharaoh to do what he did. It was necessary and... Uh, I don't know if you... You don't have to think very hard to understand what 400 years of slavery was. Not just him killing all the male children, but what the women had to go through. The victimization that would have gone uh, through upon all of those people as slaves. Such a, a horrible burden upon them that they cried out to God. And that's what he was waiting for. Because crying out to God in unity, it brings unity. You're not thinking of yourself. You just want out. You just want deliverance. God wants us to just somehow lay aside everything and begin to call out for the promise that he said he would give us. And somehow to our hearts, uh, could the Holy Spirit just show how meaningless our opinions and our view of things is in the light of what God wants to do. God is going to accomplish his will. And what the thing we have to do is believe God. His word says that all things work together for good. And I know that there's a history there of people who God called and things didn't work very good for them. Joseph had a pretty wonderful promise, but he didn't have a very good life for 17 years. 
And things didn't look very rosy for him. And when they did, all of a sudden he ended up worse than what he was before. And Ahithophel thought, well, we're really going somewhere now. We've got David, and he's just a great guy. And then he went, and I think it really kind of indicates that uh, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. Maybe that's supposition, but the names are all fit together. And he was the king's friend. And it says he spoke as the oracles of God. And uh, when you get someone that speaks as the oracles of God, he's got pretty high standards. He's pretty devoted. And uh, he saw David do that. And he was absolutely shocked. And I know he thought, I'm going to go with Absalom. This guy's a write-off. But when he saw his counsel was defeated, and he knew something, he may have spoke the oracles of God, but God was on David's side because David had a repentant heart. And that's what God's looking for. A broken and a contrite heart. Performance doesn't mean anything to God because he's the one that's going to perform everything. And whatever we can perform is not worth anything because of the, of the majesty and the glory of what the anointing is going to accomplish in each, each one of you through the gifts and the ministries that Christ has given. I, I'll, I'll be quick here. Grace is useless unless it's allowed to accomplish its work, which is to bring you to repentance, which is only the first step. Because that essence of God has come uh, to... Not, not just to bring you to repentance, to break you down to the place where you're submitted to him, but to teach you and to school you and to bring you in to the image of Jesus Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. And the Holy Spirit has come to bring every part of the nature of Christ and the nature of God into you so that you are one with Christ and one with God. And no flesh is there anymore. There's no flesh to glory in the presence, in God's presence. And, and you won't be boasting because you'll say as Christ, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Not because you're a somebody, but because you're nothing. And the Holy Spirit, the essence of God is everything in you. And, and that grace is alive and it's active, and it's working, and it wants to work in you. It doesn't want to sit in you. It wants to transform you. And God has given us a pattern for the church. And I'll come to my point quickly. The church is not something that you can say, oh, I'm a, I'm a member of the move of God. The church is just a framework that the anointing can move through. 
and that your gifts and ministries can function in. It's not for you. It's for the kingdom of God and it's for the the earth so that you can release yourself to these gifts and ministries and they won't just be functioning in church. They'll function wherever you go. They'll function on your job. They'll function in your community. And if you'll submit to the order of God, there will be such unity that the Holy Spirit won't be grieved by anything because there won't be anything to be grieved by. You'll be submissive. You'll have released yourself. You'll have laid aside that other nature, the nature of the other guy. And you'll have embraced the nature of the Savior that just says, I come to do thy will, O God. And whatever way God tests you as he tested Joseph, or as he, you know, he, he anointed David. You know, do you think that was an accident? He anointed David 20 years before he became king. All those opportunities that he had to kill Saul, and he could have done it. What did God want? He wanted a man that would wait on him, king or no king. And David did that, and he knew. That when these men said, oh, just let me, just let me nail this guy for you. <laughs> David said, no. He's God's anointed. And when God takes him out, then I'll be there. But until that happens, don't do anything. God will test you. Paul says, Testings from within and testings from without. You'll have testings from within because your expectations are highest with those that you're closest to, your spiritual family, your natural family. Nothing hurts worse than the closest people to you doing something that hurts you, right? God knows that. When the apostles prayed in Acts, they quoted Psalms and they all of those things had happened to the Lord and, and they had just come back from being with the same people that killed Jesus who threatened them and beat them and, you know, we, we killed Jesus. Do you think we can't do the same thing to you? And they came back and they prayed and they said, these men have done what you determined before to be done. And now give us boldness to go forth and to preach your word. They weren't going to be put down by those men. Not because, as our brother said, they just gritted their teeth and they were going to go through. Because their confidence was in the creator of the universe. And if, if the creator of the universe was going to allow them to die, so be it. That's the kind of submission God is looking for. That you'll be able to say to God, Lord, if, 
If I be humiliated, it's for you and I don't care. Let me be humiliated. God is going to test his people so that they'll come to a place where their own ideas don't matter at all, but where they'll be like Jesus who said, I come, O God, to do thy will. Whatever you have for me, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I don't think that's talking at all about physical suffering. <clears throat> Here's a man in contact with God and the same passion that was upon God was upon Jesus. And he loves his bride. If Joseph looked through the ages and saw the deliverance of Israel... If Enoch could prophesy from the beginning, his prophecy is in Jude 14, 15, and 16. Enoch prophesying about these latter days. Then Jesus could see. Because he was greater than any prophet. Moses was a servant in, in God's house, but he was the son of God. And he looked down and saw all the years since he was on the cross and how his bride was tormented from within and without. The many that were to be shepherds abusing his bride. And he said, Oh, let this cup pass from me. This is my darling. This is my bride. Read Psalms 22. Keep my darling from the dogs. He was so passionate for his bride. He's so passionate for you. He wants you to succeed. And the way to succeed is just be humble. Be broken. Be contrite. When you're being torn apart by that nature that You've been born with. Let the nature you've been born again with minister to that. And reach out to the anointing that is yours through Jesus Christ to bring peace on you and to bring submission to your heart and soul so that we can be one, so we can be unified. So that there's no more... I'll tell you this quick. I'm just going to close, but I'll tell you this quick. You know what I've prophesied over? I've heard people are prophesied over and then they're very unhappy with their prophecies. <laughs> I was prophesied over. I had, I had good prophecy. But... But one of the men, uh, an older man, very godly man, said, Nat, don't whine and complain. Don't be a murmurer and a complainer, and don't read too many books. 
And if you want to find out how true that is, ask my wife if I ever murmur and complain. <laughs> Don't sell me out, dear. <laughs> you know why the children of Israel didn't enter into the land? Because when they got the bad report, they got fearful, and then they started to murmur and complain, and that turned into rebellion. And what they should have done is just got on their knees and cried out to God and not worried about the circumstance. Because he had made enough promises to them that all they had to do was call to him and he would help them. And I don't know how the scripture could be clear again and again and again that it says over and over again, in every situation, submit to the authority over you, cry out to God, and he'll make a way for you. Because he's put you there. There's nothing that's happened in your life, there's nothing that you're going through that God hasn't allowed to happen for a purpose, and that's to cause you to be refined and to take those things out of your nature that aren't suitable for a son of God and a daughter of God. And if a God can take a woman at a well who's been married five times and is living with a man and find her acceptable to be a missionary and send her forth with the message of, of the Messiah, then there isn't much that you can do or that you have done that disqualifies you to be a son and daughter of God if you'll just get on your knees and ask the Lord to help you and to forgive you and to be with you. I'm encouraged by the letters that Brian puts on from Jack. There's a young man who did horrible things. And now he's in a wonderful relationship with God and God loves him and he manifests it continually. God is wanting to put upon you an anointing that, that will restore that true fellowship with the creation that Adam had. That's going to flow from you out of your innermost being. It's been spoken to us today. When you'll submit, when you'll come together in unity, out of your innermost being will flow a river of life that'll bring the kingdom of God. And Adam, when he went and he called all the animals by their name and he was fellowshipping with them, we don't understand really what took place there. But he was that same passion that was on God. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care that he was naked. He was manifesting, manifesting God's love for the creation to every little animal and every little part there. He wasn't dressing it and keeping it the way we understand. It was much deeper and much more wonderful than that. And that anointing is going to flow through you and, and you'll, you're, it's going to come out from you and there will be a restoration there as our brother read this morning that the lion will lay down with the lamb. 
That's an anointing flowing from you as a son. That's a manifestation of the sons of God. That's God flowing through you as a conduit. Changing the whole relationship between the animals and, and, and restoring all the, the destruction and curse that has been put upon the earth. Bringing life. Bringing restoration. So that a child can play at the, at the, at the den of an adder and not have to worry. Because that love that is flowing from God through you will be flowing through the earth and through them and through the creation. It's just beyond our understanding. But all that we could get with it, all that I could get with it, and just, as our brother said, just prostrate myself before God and say, you know, I can't do this. I got this nature that keeps rising up. God, I give myself an absolute surrender. Come and just get rid of that old guy that keeps feeling these stupid things and thinking these stupid things that are, don't have a basis. And let me trust in you, O oh God, who are bringing your kingdom to pass. Let me be one with my brothers and sisters. There is a unity flowing. <clears throat> our brother here said that he's never seen that kind of unity in the brethren. He, he prayed. I've been with him to many countries. I'll just tell you this. I'm, I'm really going to close now. <laughs> <clears throat> when our brother was a young man, he was called into the office of one of the leaders, a man who had a tremendous prophetic gift. And he said to him, Brother Murph, you're never going to be in the ministry. You might as well go out and get a job. So he did. He went out and got a job. <clears throat> I don't think he made a mistake. Our brother had a prophetic gift, an unbelievable prophetic gift. I don't think he made a mistake by saying that to Brother Merv. But Brother Merv went out and there was something burning in his heart. And I'm sure he connected with God. And he felt that there. And, and he just allowed the change to take place that was needed so that God could take him and put him in the ministry. What happened with Brother Merv is the same as what happened to Joseph when it happened to Israel and uh, what happened to Israel before it came out of Egypt, and, and the 400 years that they were without a prophet, those were all necessary for there to be intercession to bring forth what God wanted to bring forth and to bring unity. God help us that we don't have to go through something like that. We have an opportunity and understanding that we can just hopefully get on our knees and say, you know, whatever's in me that's standing in the way of the unity of the body of Christ, burn it out. Whatever's in the way of, of your anointing moving in its fullness, get rid of it. I don't care what it costs me. 
I want to be a son and a daughter of God. Not to be a something, but that your kingdom might be accomplished in the earth. Because people are dying out there. People are suffering out there. The earth needs a kingdom of God. Chapter 8 of Romans is happening. The earth is travailing and crying for deliverance. And we've got the key. Not being somebody's. But laying ourselves down in absolute surrender to our God and Savior. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, make this a reality, Lord. Each of us, Lord, desire you and, and desire to be your sons and daughters. We, we want, Lord, to be what you want us to be. And we are not able, Lord, to do this. We're desperately dependent upon you and your anointing to make this happen. And you know our frailties, Lord. How we can get upset and wound up and, and disappointed and, and fantasize about what someone is doing, some conspiracy that's against us, Lord, you know all of these things. And we pray, Lord, make all of that nature that is against you, that is enmity against you, uh, make it so clear to us where it's from. And make it so clear to us what's available to overcome. And Lord, shine that light so bright that we will just be drawn to it to walk in the light as you are in the light and have fellowship one with another and be cleansed from all of our sin. Lord, may the meekness and gentleness and humility of Jesus Christ flood upon us in an anointing, Lord, that just brings each one of us to our knees before you. Uh, those that <clears throat> have some sense that they're uh, not worthy, Lord, let them come to a place of reverence for the God of all heaven that says to them, you are worthy to be my son and my daughter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for what you've given us this week. Thank you for what you'll give us. Bless each one tonight. Father, flow over those that have needs in their body, Lord. We so long to see life flow and healing flow in a tremendous way to the many that are just struggling terribly, Lord. Bless them and heal them. Encourage, lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.